Governor Wolf is finally doing something about asbestos in schools, and we've got the Inman Connect 2020 wrap-up. Tune in to Tool Time right now. We are back on Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool. She is Jess Lyon. And we have got some news coming from the Capitol in Harrisburg relating to schools in Philadelphia and this asbestos issue. We'll touch on that in a second. And we've also got the Inman 2020, Inman Connect 2020 wrap-up of some of the major talking points from the conference. So let's get into the local stuff first. So Governor Tom Wolf, he is proposing a plan for $1.1 billion with a B to help eliminate lead and asbestos contamination in Pennsylvania public schools. And to me, I don't know why this hasn't happened sooner. What do you think about all this? What's your take on, on the plan and, and what it means for, for us locally here? Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a very reactive approach. Clearly, um, I was doing a little bit of research and people have been getting sick. Like last year, there were articles out about it where teachers were coming down with I think it's like mesothelioma or something, a oh. form of cancer that obviously comes from this type of um, asbestos and things like that. So I think it's a very reactive approach. And it's sad that this wasn't taken care of or addressed sooner because your kids are in these schools. These are your most valuable things in your life. Like these are your children and the teachers who do so much and go above and beyond to teach the students. So I think that yeah, this is great that it's happening now, but it's rather than being proactive and taking care of this a while ago, why does it have to be now when people are getting sick? It's funny because we sell real estate, and one of the things you have to fill out if you're a seller and your home was built before 1978 is a lead-based paint disclosure. Yeah. So there's a federal law about this. That That's a legal disclosure that has to happen. And yeah, Wolf, I, I appreciate him getting involved. To me, this is all about Philadelphia School District not doing something sooner. I mean, this has been going on for a while. And one of the challenges that, that was identified here, which, which is an accurate observation, is a lot of these buildings were built when these materials were popular. Mm-hmm. So it's no different than someone does something and then they realize it's bad for you and then they have to change it. That's what happened with construction here. So I don't, I don't fault the issue coming up. To your point, there's a lot of research and data surrounding that people are getting sick by this, number one. Secondly, we're doing this in residential real estate. Why isn't this right. happening in schools? And, you know, it's, it's another example of the city being underfunded, the school district being underfunded. And that has to do with delinquent property taxes. It has to do with where, where the money's being spent, budget appropriations, all this other stuff. So... I'm glad the state is getting involved because we've seen that Philadelphia just does not have their act together when it comes to these things. And, I mean, there's stuff like they have, like, leaking pipes and, like, all all sorts of stuff that's that's going on. And I I know if, you know, it's one of the reasons why people don't send their kids to public school um, in in Philadelphia, that you see that move of when kids turn five, they are out out of the city. And, unfortunately, not everyone can afford to do that. So there's a big challenge here, and I'm glad to see the state getting involved because, I have zero confidence that Philadelphia would have done anything about this. Maybe they should stop spending money on mosquito devices. Well, I mean, I think it's going to cost more than mosquito devices. They need $14 million to fix the, the, yeah. the most recent problem um, at, uh, what was the school? I, I forget which one. Because there's, there's a second one now. There's a second school that came out and said, hey, we got the same issue. And this has been in the news for, for, for a while now. So I'm not sure. it doesn't matter. I mean, the point is they're spending $14 million on eliminating 
asbestos in one school, and now there's a second school where where it's becoming prevalent. So it's just it, it's just a it's a bigger problem, and the infrastructure in the city as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, the roads are a mess. There's potholes everywhere. There, there's problems, what and un- until until they start collecting taxes at, at the right rate and doing things that are going to make sense, this, this is what, what's going to happen there over and over again. I feel bad for the parents, too, because from the articles that I was reading, they still are skeptical about sending their kids back to these schools and was it done correctly. And I, I just think that they are not being provided information as to what's actually going on and what the effects are. So that should be done, too. Well, I mean, there's ways to test for this stuff appropriately, too, like an air quality test <clears throat> and these other things. So people do this for residential houses. We yeah. deal with this all the time. So... I'm having a challenge here. Where, where's the city involved in this? And then again, it's—I mean, there's, there's always these backroom deals that go on, and, and Philadelphia is notorious for this. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Wolf is getting involved because I don't see this getting fixed on the local level. This has got to come from the state. Yeah, well, I'm glad something's getting done too. Hopefully, these kids have a place to go to school. So, on the real estate side, a little more upbeat here. Inman Connect 2020 New York just wrapped up last week, and. It's, so if you don't know what Inman Connect is, it's a big conference. It's like a trade show. There's people that have the newest tech and real estate are there. They have a bunch of speakers on stage, like CEOs of companies. It's a big conference for the industry. And that's my phone. That's cool. Like like uh, when Apple does a release? Sort of. I mean, it's this is more like Inman is, um, you know, they have, they have all, it's like a trade show, right? So if you've ever been to like a convention mm-hmm. um, where they have all the different products you could buy and they have the booths and all that stuff. So it's the same sort of thing, and then they have these panels that get you can get the stream on Inman's website. Um, it, you know, it, it's something that lets people know what – it's kind of like a think tank for the industry at a very large level. Um, cool. So I, I, what, and it's what, what came out of it, I, I saw three major talking points that came out of it, and that's okay. what I wanted to share with everyone here. So the first one – where do you want to start, Jess? Um, we could start with pocket listings. Pocket listings. We've talked about this before, right? So – there was a pair of industry leaders, uh, Brian Donaldson, who's the CEO of Bright, uh, and then there was uh, um, a, a, a Drussy Hernandez, who's the VP of development for Fulton Grace Realty. They both are on stage, and they were talking about pocket listings. And there's this, been this ban on pocket and off-market listings that was approved last year. Bright has been leading the charge. NAR kind of followed suit, but th- this to me has been Bright's agenda, mm-hmm. and they're one of the largest MLSs. So right now there's numerous MLSs across the country, and they came out and said this is going to benefit consumers. There's going to be a huge impact there, and the interesting thing I heard from Donalyn, who again, the CEO of Bright, if a consumer can go to one place and get all the information, they're better served. Uh, I'm going to come back to that in a second. You know, they talked about implementing the policy, how it's going to give everyone a fair shot for buying properties. It's going to give the seller the right exposure. This is all fine. I don't have an issue with, you know, giving the seller the most exposure. In fact, that's what I strive to do with every listing I take. Exactly. What I have, I find interesting is they said that the consumer to go to one place to get all the information. Well, they can't do that with an MLS because you can't go and get information for homes in California in the bright MLS. You got to go to Zillow or Truly or one of these other websites. And then uh, John Coyle, who's also with Bright, mm-hmm. um, he came out and said, well, you know, it doesn't make sense here because I'm licensed to practice in a whole state, but I can't get the information for the whole state. So you and I, we can go sell a home in Pittsburgh if we wanted to. Right. Or somewhere or somewhere else in Pennsylvania, um, Erie, wherever. 
that's not covered by our MLS. So we can't actually go and get that information. Even Allentown, which is not terribly far from here, and I'm not saying agents to be that widespread. Yeah. But the point is, the licensing law is this, and Bright covers like a component of it. Why isn't there like a national MLS? Like that, that, that to me is probably the biggest takeaway. I don't have an issue with the pocket listings uh, so much because they are, they are, uh, have a policy there that's been very clear on it. We know what the rules are. There's a couple people that complain, like Compass and Assist to Sell, and it really doesn't benefit that person that doesn't want their home on the MLS. They're forcing them to not use an agent. Otherwise, is there like a waiver that you can sign or something, having it withheld or something like that? You can sign a waiver. However, if the they want you to market to other agents, you can't do that. They can only be like within the company. So mm-hmm. we can only market to Remax Mainline, which we have seventy some agents. That's great. Well, we can't market to anyone at any of the other companies, like a Berkshire Hathaway or a Keller Williams or mm-hmm. Compass or whoever. So it's really a challenge. I mean, I, I don't see where that benefits somebody. And I'll, I'll give an example here, and then you well, can kind of. What happens to the people who don't want their property listed because of like um, a restraining order, or there's some type of celebrity or something like that? So that, that's the rub. They're, there's no, they're they're driven away from working with an agent, in my so view. So what is their option? I feel like we're not. The option is good for a majority, but not like everyone. There's a percentage of people who are being forced to sell for sale by owner. Well, that that or a non participating members so they don't work with bright so there's a company out there it's called um rex or something one of these discount brokerages that'll be gone in three years you can write that down right now just like purple bricks mm-hmm. um but they, they don't they don't they don't participate in the mls and then but they have a, a fee to zillow so they're getting all those people inquiring on zillow which is fine okay. if that's your business strategy i you bring up a really valid point i mean you know th- this is a pretty common practice you know you go to california for example that happens all the time out there and it just doesn't – that's that's the issue with this policy. Everything else, fine. It's this particular part is where – I mean, you mentioned a restraining order. Yeah. So what do you think about all this? I mean, that was my biggest issue, but you said that the issue is us not having access to all of this. Like, Bright doesn't really show us any listings across the state. Is that Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't – Personally, I don't care because I'm not going to sell a home across the state. I wouldn't. Well, be, neither am I. So, I and, have, you know, Allentown's kind of far from me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And the, the, the point is, when you have the CEO saying consumers should be able to go to all the one place, well, it's really not accurate because yeah, you can't go can. to all the one place. Yeah. So, you know, the, the messaging here is very interesting. And really what's going on is Bright is in a war with, like, Zillow right now. I mean, it, it, there's agents and then there's Zillow. And it's and then, like, these old brokerages and Zillow and these other companies – that, to me, is what they're talking about here more than anything else. They don't want it coming soon on Zillow. They don't want Compass coming soon. Or uh, Redfin does the same thing. Uh, they have that Redfin coming soon stuff, too. So it's this debate's not going away. Um, and, you know, what, what, I, what I just find interesting here is that, you know, I, I had this situation come up with a client of mine where they came from California. They didn't want their home on the market for, the, for a month at the end of the year because – they had, like, family coming in. They had guests in town the entire time. Understandable. Unless yeah. there was a serious buyer that wanted to come through. And how do we market that so that people can come through right. at the same time by, you know, by, by being compliant with the policy? So we listed the property as coming soon for a period of time. And then we we had to we, we had to comply, but it, it really that really didn't help the the seller there in a lot no, of instances. It wasn't in their favor at all. I, I mean, so and having to go through all that rather than just say, okay, we're gonna list it here, and they don't want their days on market to accrue because people see high days on market. And they 
run away from the house. Yeah, they or think there's something the wrong with it. So like yeah, so I mean, it, 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 you know, practically the policy's not making a lot of sense. Yeah, conceptually, I don't think so. okay, I, I don't, I don't have an issue with it. So I, that's just not going to go away. And Bright is really pushing this. Yeah. Well, then I feel like that kind of went into the next one about when they said that you're going to have a struggle if you're an independent agent. Yes. So the Realogy CEO. Ryan Schneider, so that's like Coldwell Banker yep. and, and those sort of companies. It's a bigger brand. Um, Remax CEO Adam Contos and Exit CEO Tammy Bonnell were on a panel, and they talked about self-care and consumer service. And really what, what um, Ryan Schneider had said, for me, it's all about how agents and franchises tell us we're doing supporting them. If you're not with a big player who can provide a lot of things for you, whether it's marketing technology, lead gen data, it's going to be a struggle. So in short, what he's saying is it's going to be a struggle for people that are independent or doing things on their own or don't have the right resources. That's yeah. really what I took because an independent brokerage could have all the resources. Mm -hmm. What do you think about all this? I think that there's going to be few who do have the resources and they'll survive, but they will be the few. I agree with what they're saying. If, if you aren't providing – they talk a lot in this article about like – building a better consumer experience and everything, if you don't have the resources to do that, you better get with someone big who does or else the experience that you're providing to your client isn't going to be up to snuff. It's just not going to be the same that they can get with someone else. Well, and, and what do today's customers want? They want easier, faster, hassle-free yep. convenience. So, And a lot of these resources are tech-enabled. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, so you have a place where they can go look at homes. Can you sign stuff on your phone? How many homes do you really have to go see before you buy something? Um, what's what's the communication going to be like? And if it's if the consumer's not getting that stuff, they're just going to go somewhere else. And one person can only do so much. Yeah. Like the, I mean, we all have the same amount of time in the oh, day. Team. Well, you got twenty four hours. I got twenty four hours. Right. It's not like you could. I mean, you have to leverage that and use the resources appropriately. And and there's some people. That, I mean, they don't take professional photos of their listings, mm -hmm. and they, and and they're doing it themselves. And they don't have a CRM to keep track of people, and they don't know how to pick up a phone call from Zillow. Like that's hurting that's the consumer. Yeah. So I, I I totally agree with this, and that's not surprising coming from the panel there. I mean, it's you got Realogy, Remax, and Exit, uh, and ultimately the consumer they they want more, and they also are embracing automation more, is what I've seen over the past 18, 24 months. I mean, they're they're okay with. Hey, someone sends me an automatic feed, and then I respond to it, and it alerts the agent. Like you do that all the time, don't right? Don't want to talk to you until they're ready to go and see the property. But if, as long as you can communicate with them in the way that they want to, whether it be like through Zillow or however, that's fine. Communicate the way they want to communicate, and then get in front of them, and then talk to them. A hundred percent. That's where you know you talk about lead gen. It's also like training, like yeah. understanding like how it all works, because today's client doesn't want the same thing they did 10 years ago yeah I, I can say that definitively doing business in 2010 was very i remember the first time i got DocuSign. i'm like what is this amazing i don't have to meet this person like we can get it signed <laughs> we got a deadline coming up and it's it was faster well it was better for everybody because yeah. i don't have to drive to my office i'm not meeting them somewhere they're not faxing something i mm -hmm. mean it's so to me that's that's spot on um i don't know that it's anything new mm -hmm. it's good to keep hearing it again because i i am clear that the the, the, the playing field, while everyone's, you know, Bright may say they're only trying to even the playing field, it's not going to be even. You're going to have to get with someone who's killing it. Agreed. Most controversial thing we heard. Um, so there was a panel um, of venture capitalists and industry observers. 
and the the topic of compass came up and they said there that compass is likely to avoid the fate of the startup WeWork, despite being backed by the same massive investment fund SoftBank. I found this one very interesting. So I don't know how deep you want me to go, or you want to give me your take first. I mean, these people are all there supposed to be like backing up Compass. So like like we talked about, like what else would they say other than everything's fine? Um, apparently, there are some things going on in the background where it might lead you to think they're not doing fine. But I'll let you take the lead on this one. Okay, so. Last week, according to Real Deal, it's a, it's a New York uh, real estate blog, and then they talk about some other major markets too. Compass laid off 40 people mm-hmm. in the back end, right? Not like agents. So a lot of it was in their tech department, mergers and acquisitions. When people are laying off the staff, it's usually not a good sign that things are going well. They're saying that it's all strategy and it was intentional and they knew what they were doing, but I'm with you. If something's going on, people are getting laid off. I'm- questioning what's happening here so when i pull up the article from real deal and i, and I just I, I find this interesting because to your point what are they supposed to say like hey we're screwed like yeah. no one's ever going to say that so and this is at a like a premier real estate event so uh they laid off 40 uh employees across it marketing merger and acquisition uh, and what they said was they're going to kind of pause their uh acquisitions and expansion um at least for the the short term and you know what what I also know what's going on is that the way they're recruiting people, they're offering these big bonuses to agents for a few, you know, commitment for a couple of years. And, you know, that, that's fine. I get a lot of agents wanting to cash in on that. That certainly makes sense. I also see where they're putting their offices up. I mean, they have an office in Suburban Square right now, which mm-hmm. is like the highest rent along the main line. It's a retail space. Banana Republic and Macy's no longer have stores That's there. That's wild. Ruby's Diner just moved out. And that place had been there for like years. Mm-hmm. And they didn't renew their lease because it was too expensive. So when I see that sort of stuff happening and then they're cutting people, it's never a good sign when you cut the staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what would you think if we cut our staff here at our team? Our business is suffering because we can't afford to pay the staff. Where's the profit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's obviously the the, the concern here. And, and, you know, with the Compass's pitch is that our tech is better than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how much better anyone's tech is really going to be than anybody else's right now. You know, we've gone out and gotten our own. Remax has, uh, they they have this new Bouge software. What is Compass's tech? It's it's a CRM like everyone else has. So we use Boomtown, right? So maybe this is a better. Yeah. and, And to me, I've looked at enough of these things. You would know. I don't know if I know. Practically, Boomtown works really well for us. Boomtown's great. And the more we've embraced it, right? We've been doing so the, the, well. The higher Servicing the conversions got. Yeah. So that's how the tech's supposed to work because most of these people get the tech and they never use it. Yeah. And you know, we were probably guilty of that a little bit. Maybe. Some people. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, the point is, the more we embraced it, the better it's been working for us. So, and, that, and what I love about Boomtown is that it's not affiliated with the company. Like they don't, you don't have to. Like you're not, your your people are not stuck at Compass or Remax or what if you're anywhere else. And, the, and it sucks. And well, you want to get Boomtown, and that's the, like what the heck. Or the Keller Williams. I mean, they've been talking about how they have AI and all this stuff, right? So that's their pitch. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much better it is. Now, what I will agree with is the idea of keeping them in the store is really critical. Where they're coming to you instead of going to Zillow, where maybe they get another agent or they yeah. go to a realtor and they get in touch with another agent if you can keep them in the store you control the conf- servicing them well and, and they're coming to you for the information instead of just looking for the house they want to buy mm-hmm. which is all people really look for anyway most consumers don't know any better they're right. just like hey I want more information about the house let me hit this button yeah. so 
I, you know, I, I just I, I can't sit here and say based on what I'm seeing on the ground that um, Compass is going to avoid the same fate as we work because they were at like a grow at all cost company for a while and. Mm-hmm. When you fire that many staff members, that's that's not a good thing. What had happened? I guess we'll say. We don't know. I can just I can look at the facts and then based on what business principles are. So I mean, but it, you know, at any company you see people firing staff like that. It's, it's not a good sign. Yeah. Maybe they'll revert back to being a traditional brokerage. I don't. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I don't think they've been anything traditional. I mean, it's. Uh, but that's you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, of course they're going to say. Um, of course, they're going to say everything's fine. I mean, it's really going to be up to their agents actually going out and selling houses. Like, yeah. that's the fundamental. they got to be recruiting the right people and hope that works. Because if they're not out there gaining market share and selling more homes, that's how you bring revenue in. Yeah. All right. That's cool. So that's what great happened takeaways. at Inman Connect. Uh, three things there. Went a little long. Thought they were pretty important, relevant. What do you got for some motivation here, Jess? Well, the Super Bowl was last night. Well, a few on Sunday when this airs. Yes. So I have a Vince Lombardi quote um and all i know is that that's what the trophy is called the vince lombardi trophy so you can expound on that if you want but he said (laughs) once you learn to quit it becomes a habit well yeah i mean i think that you know that there's and there's actually like we talked about the uh the dip right Mm -hmm. so if you don't know what the dip is it's a seth godin concept he's like one of the most famous business writers out there where like you start doing something and you're like really excited about it and your effort's high no matter what, even if it's hard or you don't know what you're getting into. And then, like, a couple weeks later, the real work starts, and, like, you don't see results right away. And it's like, oh, man, maybe I, maybe I should quit. Like, that's mm-hmm. what happens. And that's, you know, that, and then then you kind of get further down the line. Let's say instead of weeks, you're a couple months in. Mm-hmm. And our, but our business is what? A three-month delay on all your actions, right? In. So, like, you don't want to quit, like, two and a half months in when you're not seeing results. That's, like, the worst time to quit. And... When people start doing that, and you see like the serial job hoppers, like they're at a place like six, nine months, or you know, the infamous New Year's resolution, right? Yeah. I'm gonna go to the gym. You know, when people quit, the most common day is January 17th. It's like everyone quits the resolution. Like by February, like two 80% of them are done. A little bit more than two weeks in. Yeah, because yeah. because it's it's because it's hard to do whatever they're trying to do, and health is like the number one. So. When people start quitting that frequently, yeah, of course it becomes a habit. And you know, I mean, Vince Lombardi, so. I told you who he was before the show. Yeah. Um, he was the That's Super so Bowl. Cool. He won the first Super Bowl, <laughs> Packers head coach. And, you know, really, I, I think you look at even look at, like, the Super Bowl itself, right? A couple years ago, the Patriots were down 38-3, to and they didn't quit and came back and beat the Falcons. Sorry, Doug Edrington. I know you're watching. Um so that's like the, that's like, wild. But that could have been, and, and it was like in the third quarter. Like it, I, I mean, so that team doesn't know quit. how to quit, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the that's Tom Brady, that's Bill Belichick. They don't know how to quit. But then you uh, you look at some other teams, maybe. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples here. So the Minnesota Vikings, like they won a number of Super Bowls, or they lost a number of Super Bowls in a row, and you would see their body language on the sidelines early in these games that they got down. Like you could tell they knew they were in trouble, and that's. I th- that's a great example of, of, of what happens there. It's a so, habit and, they and I, I'm not saying it was a habit for those play. guys, but they, they find themselves in the same situation. You're like, oh, no, not again. So, yeah. you know, it's like quitting. I mean, it, it's you never see those people win, mm-hmm. and winners typically don't quit. So, yeah, absolutely. For me, this, this the operative thing here is that you learn to quit when you're faced with a challenge or something that you're doing. I don't think that you actually think about quitting until someone presents that option to you. But once you do 
realize that, oh, okay, I can quit, then it becomes a habit and you get comfortable to that feel, like you're going to revert to what's most comfortable for you and quitting is better than continuing and pushing on. So it's definitely learned. So if you can push back and just, I guess, get that voice out of your head or get away from people who are saying, oh, you can quit or you can do it later, that's going to be what's best in order for you to accomplish what you're looking to do. You really summed that up well, Jess. Nice job. Catch you guys next week.